Well, hello, Baseline family. It's great to have you uh, joining us once again, and it has been a wild week for all of us here, um, all around the nation, actually. And we'll, and we'll have a chance to talk about that a little bit uh, later on in the sermon. But before I do jump into the sermon, I just want to uh, remind you that earlier in the week, uh, you probably received an email that had a link to a survey that we're doing. And we really just want to encourage you to do that survey, to take it. It'll take you just a few minutes and it'll give us some great information that'll help us in terms of when we reopen the church campus again, but also more along the lines of just uh, ministries that we're uh, working on and in here at church. So make sure you do that survey for us um, if you would, and uh, we'd really appreciate it. So, um, hey, today's sermon is a continuation of our looking at the early church. And, and today we're going to talk about uh, what it's like to be in um, community. So uh, I, I've told this story before, but um, I became a Christian the summer uh, right before my senior year of high school. I was um, 17 years old. It was August. Um, my good friend um, Mike McGrath and I and a group of other students from La Cunata High School got on a bus with some other kids from San Marino and South Pasadena, and we uh, took the bus all the way up to uh, Vancouver, Canada. As you might imagine, kind of a wild, fun ride with a bunch of high school students. Got on uh, the Malibu Princess for Young Life's uh, boat they have there. 300 kids on this boat. You go to Malibu, which is this incredible camp up in um, British Columbia. And, and had just a great, incredible week. And in that week, I heard the gospel in a really clear way. I heard how much God loved me, how he desired to have a relationship with me. And in the course of that week, both Mike and I um, gave our lives to, to Jesus. Um, we got back on the boat at the end of that week, went back to, back to Vancouver, got on a bus, drove the bus all the way back here to Southern California. And when we got home, and, and, and Mike at this time was a good friend, but he also was, was living with my parents and I and my family. And when Mike and I got home, uh, my sister and some of her friends had, had decorated the bedroom that Mike and I shared with balloons and a, and a sign saying, welcome back and all that sort of stuff. And, and, what it, and really quickly, what happened for both Mike and I is that we got into community through the Young Life Ministry there and through a, a local church. And right away, we were connected with others who uh, were trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to learn uh, what it means to be a follower of his. Right away, we were connected into community. And, and that's just the way it is supposed to be. When you, um, when you look at the um, book of Acts and you see how things started there, um, and we've talked about this, but that, that there's the day of Pentecost and then Peter preaches this incredible sermon and 300 people turn their lives over to Jesus. And then at the end of Acts chapter 2, and that's where we'll start and look at today, if you want to look in a Bible, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. It says, um, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
And, and so there's, uh, there's four things that the, these early believers were devoted to. And the first one was they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They wanted to know as much as they could about Jesus. They wanted to know how the Old Testament connected with what Jesus did. And so, so they wanted to listen to uh, Peter and John and others talk about the truths about um, who Jesus was. And then the second thing they were devoted to, and it says they were devoted to fellowship. And, and that, that word there, this Greek word, this kind of a word that is well known maybe, is koinonia. And, and what it means is that there is a deep personal connection between people and you're willing to share your life with one another. That's what that word fellowship means. And then the two other things that follow kind of come right under that idea of fellowship. And it says that they broke bread together. And, and that typically probably means that they just ate meals together, but it wouldn't be unusual in that day after they would eat their meal, and most of their meals would include uh, bread and wine, and at the end of the meal, they would just remind one another of what Jesus has done for them, and they would uh, take the bread as, as Jesus' body, and they would drink the wine as his blood, and they would be reminded of the incredible love that God has for them. And, and, and uh, we'll have a chance to take communion um, later on here today. And then the other thing they would do is that they would pray together. And again, we've talked about how when you pray together, you are knitting your heart together with those who you're praying with. And so you really see here that they were uh, devoted to the teaching and to fellowship. And, and what this does is it creates this beautiful picture of this early church community. And if you, if you continue and read on uh, there in, in Acts 2, what it does is that they, they had everything in common. This wasn't forced on them by anybody from the outside or any government saying you had to live this way, but it happened because of the deep love they had for one another. And so they would just uh, share with one another all that they had. They, they ate their meals together. And that's a really important thing that we see in the church is that it's so crucial to spend time together, eating together like that. Um, and that, these, um, that they met together in the temple courts often. And this being together, and it says in there, produced this great joy that, that would then um, bubble over into worship. That by just being together, meeting together, eating together, it created joy and worship. All the people around them in the community thought well of, this com of the church community. And it says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That this group was growing. It... <laughs> It is a beautiful picture of a church community that's flourishing. Flourishing in the relationships with one another, flourishing in the joy and the worship that they're experiencing, and in the number of others that are coming to know Jesus. That this is what it means to be a part of Christian community. And what we have to try and do when we, when we study scripture is we have to take those truths from first century Palestine and, and, and say, okay, how does that connect with where we are today? We're in a different setting. Our lives are very different than theirs, but there's some really important truths. I'm just going to look at two of them here today. And the first one is this, that there is, needs to be connection in the body of Christ. We are created to connect with one another in relationship. This was never meant to be something I try and do on my own. It isn't just uh, only between God and I. There's a personal side to my relationship, but, but it is meant to be lived out, connected with others in community. 
And we found that even in this day of social distancing or, or safe distancing, whatever you want to call it, that you still can connect. But it takes intentionality. Whether we're in the pandemic or not, it always takes intentionality on our part to connect with others within the body of Christ. There is so much in our culture and in our society that tries to isolate us from one another. So many reasons not to connect. And we have to um, really work hard, honestly, at breaking through those barriers and those obstacles to make sure that there is this connection that is so needed among people that follow Jesus. So um, whether we are in this pandemic for a while or whether we're out of it or whatever, I just encourage you to think, what does it mean for you intentionally to connect with the people in the body of Christ, to work hard at it. Connection's important. The second um, thing that we see from the uh, early church is that they, um, they cared for one another. They, um, they helped meet the needs of those within their body, um, whether they were physical needs, emotional needs, or, or even spiritual needs. And uh, we see that all through the book of Acts, but I wanna turn to, um, uh, Galatians chapter 6 and um, again you can follow along if you'd like in your Bible and and this is a section where uh, Paul talks about how we are to care for one another and it comes out of right after that beautiful section where where he talks about here's what life in the spirit is like here's what it's like to walk step in by step with the spirit to have the fruit of the spirit as a part of your life and then in Galatians 6 um, verses 1 to 5 this is what he says he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test his own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So a couple things really important in this section, and that is that the, the overall attitude that we're supposed to have with one another within the body of Christ is that of humility and gentleness. We're not supposed to try and compare ourselves with one another. But we're there, and he says in here that we are to um, help carry one another's burdens. And I've often looked at this scripture and been a little confused by this little section. Because in, in verse 2, right, he says, carry each other's burdens. But then when you drop down to verse 5, he says, um, each one should carry their own load. And it was really helpful for me this week as I studied this, um, because there's, there's two different Greek words used there, and there should be. The Greek word that's used in um, uh, verse two, where we say carry one another's burdens is, that word for burdens is something that is overwhelming that has been put on someone's shoulders. That there's no possible way you on your own can carry this burden, is the word that's used there. The word that's used in um, verse five is a word that's used more along the lines of what uh, a backpack that a soldier would wear it's like the, the, something that, is care, that they can carry their own load. It's like their, it's their personal responsibility. 
that they can do this. Uh, an illustration that someone used that was interesting and, and helpful for me is this, is um, let's say one day I was getting up and I was getting the kids in the car to take them to school. And I'm trying to start the car and all of a sudden it won't start. All of a sudden there's a burden now that has been placed on my shoulders. I can't get my kids to school. How am I gonna get them to school? Well, the neighbor is starting to pull out with his kids and I say, hey, can you take my kids to school today? My, I can't, I've got a problem with the car. And he's like, sure, I can do that, great. So my kids go over, they get in the car, they go off to school. He has relieved that my burden from me, but he has not taken my responsibility as a dad from me, right? I still carry that load, but a burden that I could not carry on my own, he's taken from me. And that, those are the loads, that overloading feeling that we have sometimes, that is what we as the followers of Christ are to take off from one another those overwhelming situations. And there's a few different ways we do that. Um, you know, Nancy and I have always been a part of a small group ever since we've been a part of this church for 26 years. And it's been one of the great places of support and encouragement that we've experienced. Um, a, a few years after Matthew was born, so we have three young kids, uh, Nancy, um, honestly, and she told me it was fine to share this with you. She was struggling at that time with um, some anxiety and depression, and, and life was just really tough for us, trying to manage life with three little kids. I'm running Young Life in this area, and it's just hard. Well, our small group uh, committed to bring meals a couple times a week to us, and it was such an incredible experience to have people help us uh, practically, physically in that way. Well, one uh, morning I was walking out of our, our door and I um, smelled gas. I go, that's not good. So I called the gas company and sure enough, a few hours later, they sell a guy, uh, send a guy out and he's got his little sensor thing. And he goes, yeah, you got, you got a gas leak from your main line from here over here to where this is. And, um, and I've turned your gas off. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, I, I have to turn your gas off. You've got to get it fixed. We can't turn the gas on until you get this line fixed. And it was late afternoon by that time. There's no way to call anybody at that late moment. So I, the next morning right away, I call somebody and they come over and they are working all day long. And you can just imagine a household, three young kids, no hot water, uh, can't do the dishes, no washes getting done, no baths, all that stuff. It, our house is becoming a bit of a shambles. Well, those guys work all day long. They get the gas line in and it's repaired and we get gas and we get hot water started again. Well, I have a Young Life meeting that night and I'm pulling out of the driveway just as uh, Jim and Louise Furrow from our small group are pulling in and they're bringing a meal for us on this night. And I thank them so much for that. I'm so appreciative of what they're doing. And I say, uh, I'm off to a Young Life meeting. Nancy's inside, go ahead. So I go off and I, I do my, uh, the meeting, the club or whatever. I come back later that night and I step into the house and it's all clean. I mean, all the dishes are done. The wash has been folded and all that. And uh, toys are picked up. And I go, Nancy, how, how did you do all this? And she goes, I didn't. Jim and Louise brought the meal in, looked around and stayed. Just stayed. They did our dishes, helped get wash done, helped get the kids in bed and washed. They, they were there for us. That's what it means to um, carry one another's burdens 
at a time when it is just overwhelming and that you cannot do this on your own. It's what we're called to do. And you know, the, the coronavirus has multiplied the needs all around us. There are many people who um, are out of work and they need our help in terms of maybe even helping pay their rent or buying groceries for them. There's folks that, that can't leave their homes because of their um, health, underlying health conditions. And so we can, again, uh, buy groceries for them and bring them to them. There's, there's so many ways at this time that we, as the body of Christ, can uh, help meet the physical needs that people have around us. And then, um, a second area of need is that where we can carry one another's burdens has to do with, with the emotions and the feelings that we have. Um, so obviously over this past week, we've experienced um, just an explosion of, of um, emotion from our nation. Um, African Americans who have felt like they have faced discrimination and racism for for centuries and centuries have, it kind of got to a point where it just kind of overflowed this, this uh, last week. And, and there's a lot that we don't understand. It's a very complicated issue, but I know that we are called to um, shoulder the burdens of those who are, are struggling with this and who are um, trying to figure out their way through this. Um, and one of the ways we can do this, I believe, is to really listen to other people's stories, to listen to other people's experiences, and to walk with them in the midst of what they have experienced. So um, this week, uh, earlier in the week, uh, Glenn Tucker, who she and her husband Paul have been a part of this church for a long time, she wrote um, a, a blog or a posted something on um, Instagram, kind of talking about her experience. And, and if you don't know Glenn, she's African-American. And um, I'm just gonna read a couple of the ex excerpts of what she has said in her um, post. Here's what Glenn writes. My personal experience with racism has been relatively mild in comparison to what has and continues to happen to other black people. But I have had people hold doors open for me until they realize I'm black and pull the door closed in my face. I've had people tell me I'm pretty for a black girl. I've had people tell me I don't talk, smell, or act like a black person. And that's just to name a few. Although offensive and hurtful, I've walked away from those experiences appreciating that they weren't that bad. I wasn't called out of my name, attacked, or arrested. And again, she says that this is mild compared to what she knows other of her friends have experienced. And she goes on that she is, she's writing and speaking out because of what happened to, uh, to George Floyd and the other things that recently, in the last couple months that has happened. But she, but she really says, I'm speaking out because I want my kids to have a better world. I want things to be different for them. And, and then she, she ends her um, post with, with this statement. She says, if you have been able to ignore everything going on, I would ask you how you would feel if this happened to me. How would you feel if this was a member of my family? Things will not change if white people don't stand with us. I know this is heavy stuff, 
but black people have had to carry this every day for years. Help us carry this burden, speak up and take action. Help us carry this burden. So in these days, one of the ways to be the community of Christ is to come alongside our African-American brothers and sisters and help them carry this however we can. First of all, I think by listening, listening to their stories, getting to know what life is like for them, but then being willing to speak up and act so that our world will be different for when the Tucker's kids grow up, that it will be a different place for them. So we um, carry one another's burdens practically. We carry one another's burdens emotionally. And then finally, I'll end with this, that we are to carry one another's burdens spiritually. And that truly is at the heart of what this Galatians passage is about. Right, the first verse is, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Again, we're not on this on our own. If I'm struggling in a sin, if, if a friend is struggling in a sin, we are, we're supposed to, and I love this, we're supposed to gently restore that person. Again, uh, humility and gentleness is such an important part of this community that we're supposed to be. But we're supposed to come alongside each other and help us grow um, in the grace of God. You see, uh, what was happening in... in the churches that Paul's writing to is that people were trying to heap on a bunch of laws and regulations onto these new Christians, trying to uh, help them, get them to be more legalistic and follow the Jewish laws. And and, and Paul was saying, no, 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 you're not supposed to do that. And coming in and he's lifting that burden off of them and saying the only burden is the love of Christ, right? Is to follow Christ and love others through him. And so that's why in our day, small groups are so important, where we can really connect with one another, where we can connect with one another and and help each other grow spiritually, help each other understand the scriptures better. We can pray for one another. We can walk with each other when when we're struggling. So small groups are important and maybe even more important to just have one or two other people that know you well. And you're willing to kind of say, this is what's really going on in my life. This is the, these are the struggles I'm having. This is the sin I'm dealing with, whatever it might be. But please come alongside and, and bear this burden with me and help me to walk with Christ as I want to. So we bear each other's burdens, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And then just one final thought on this. Um, uh, years ago, I, I heard a sermon by uh, a man named Haddon Robinson, who was a professor at um, Denver uh, Seminary. And uh, it's probably 30 years ago. It was on a cassette tape. That's telling you how long ago it was I heard this sermon. But it was, a, it was an incredible sermon. And the main point is this, that in order to bear one another's burdens, we have to be willing to share our burdens. And, and it's In the church, unfortunately, sometimes, there's a sense that we feel like, oh man, I've got to have it all together. I've got to pretty much be perfect. 
that, that if I really shared with you how I'm feeling and what I'm struggling with, you might turn away. And, and, and I, I just can't do that. But in order to truly bear each other's burdens, we need to be willing to share where we're struggling. We need to be willing to share when it's really difficult. And when we just have that weight that's on us that we know we cannot hold on our own. And so I encourage us as the body of Christ here at Baseline to be willing to share our burdens with one another. So um, when you become a follower of Christ, you're not out there on your own. And one of the great things about being in the body of Christ is that, that you have a community, a community where you can connect with one another, a community where you truly care for one another. It's one of the greatest things about being a follower of Jesus is that you have others that will walk through life with you. But it also is a great responsibility for those of us that are followers of Jesus. We're called to share our burdens with others and we are called to carry the burdens of others. That is truly what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Let me pray for us. Oh, so Lord, I pray that in these days you would help us to connect with one another. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't stand back and wait, but that, Lord, we'd initiate in relationships with one another, that we would um, call people up on the phone, we would text, we would uh, even meet outside these days and build relationships and connect with each other. And show us, Lord, those places where we can bear one another's burdens, where we tr can truly care for other people, for their physical needs, the emotional needs that so many are feeling today, and also those spiritual needs, Lord, that we truly can help each other grow into the image of Christ. Help us, Lord, to truly be the body of Christ and the family of God. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, uh, Kyle's got a song for us. He actually wrote it. And so we're gonna have this song just be as a way of responding to the message and then uh, stay on and we'll talk about um, communion that we'll take together, All right? God bless.